everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a study of the traditions, the traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's this really strange part of the 12 and the other 12, and it's in the back and goes through the things that help us govern ourselves. What's so cool about the traditions is where one of the things, the 12 steps, help us build this spiritual life. The traditions give us a platform, a framework, a system, a process by which we can actually live it out in our lives. So we practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, how exactly do I do that? You know, how do I think about things? What is the framework of doing that? And the 12 traditions give us that framework. Now, the 12 traditions have a history. Our historians can tell you all about it. They came about through grapevine articles, like so much of what our literature today did. And that literature, it came together over time. So the traditions come along a little bit later in the 1950s, and your historians and your group will be able to tell you more about it. In any case, what the idea behind the traditions is, is a way of holding AA together. It also is a great way to hold your family together, a great way to hold your company together, a great way to hold your job together and all your personal relationships. The traditions offer us a framework for that. So the commentary today from me will be a little bit focused on AA and a lot focused on how they work in our lives. You know, what, what, what do I get out of this personally? How do I take this tradition one, the first tradition, and put it to work in my life? So let's start off there. Tradition one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA Unity. And the key about those words are, first of all, common welfare. That's the focus of the whole tradition for me in my life. How am I thinking about my group when I want to insert my opinion? Am I doing my part to help things go well? And that unity doesn't mean uniformity. If we want to form a group and, and by gosh, we're just not going to read that how it works section. It's too darn long. It takes up too much time or we'd want to do the promises at the beginning, or we want to have chips or marbles or something else, you know, candles and pencils and pens. I've seen all, I've even seen notebooks, you know, that are where a group went through the 12 months of your recovery under the idea that you're going to write in a notebook the step each of those months. So unity does not mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean my way, a lot of times I put this idea out there and I'm willing to unify with you so long as you do it my way, right? So long as I agree with you or I like something or I think it's right or I think it's true or I think it's good, then I'll unify with you. But if I disagree with you, don't like it, don't think it's true, think it's bad, well, then I'm not, you know, it's just on the basis of principle that I'm not going to do it, you know, and I come about this other way. And what we're trying to do is step away out of self, lose interest in selfish things, and gain interest in our fellows. Our fellow AA members is the context of this talk today. But what about our family and our spouses and our children? What about our coworkers and our bosses and our customers? How do we carry it in there? So here we go. Tradition one. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery, your recovery, my recovery, personal recovery depends upon AA unity. I don't have AA to go to if not for AA unity. The unity of Alcoholics Anonymous is the most cherished quality our society has. 
Unity above all other things. Not uniformity, unity. Our lives, the lives of all to come, depend squarely upon it. If we don't stay unified, there'll be no AA for them to come to. We stay whole or AA dies. Without unity, the heart of AA would cease to beat. Our world arteries would no longer carry the life-giving grace of God. His gift to us would be spent aimlessly. Back again in their caves, alcoholics would reproach us and say, what a great thing AA might have been. Let's hope that doesn't happen. We know that didn't happen. AA's gotten to be this huge global movement. Does this mean some will anxiously ask, that in AA, the individual doesn't count for much? Is he to be dominated by his group and swallowed up in it? Absolutely not. We may certainly answer this question with a loud no. We believe there isn't a fellowship on earth which lavishes more devoted care upon its individual members. Surely there is none. None, he says, with more jealousy. None. None which more jealousy or this gotta keep it this way. Jealousy guards the individual's right to think, talk, and act as he wishes. Not uniformity. There it is right there. No AA can compel another to do anything. Nobody can be punished or expelled. That's an important thing to think about. Our 12 steps to recovery are suggestions. The 12 traditions which guarantee AA's unity contain not a single don't. They repeatedly say we ought. We have a debt. Ought is a term of debt. I owe. We ought, but never. You must. Though the big books filled with you must. To many minds, all this liberty for the individual spells sheer anarchy. Every newcomer, every friend who looks at AA for the first time is greatly puzzled. They see liberty verging on license. They see freedom. Freedom that is assumed. Freedom that just is. That just is. That liberty. That freedom on license. It just is. We have a right to it almost, right? Freedom. Liberty. Liberty verging on license, yet they recognize at once that AA has an irresistible strength of purpose and action. Because of unity, how, they ask, can such a crowd of anarchists function at all? How can they possibly place their common welfare first? And that's a critical thing. What in heaven's name holds them together? It's that common welfare. So there's a lot of reference in the big book and there's other places in recovery material. It talks about us being wrecked in the same vessel that common welfare. And he's going to go on a little bit about it. And it's so important to think of it that way, that we are together, not for ourselves individually. We are together, not for the sake of, you know, our fellowship. We are together for one thing. Our common welfare depends upon AA unity. So we are ready for the new alcoholic. So we are ready for the person who still suffers. So we are ready to carry the message goes on, those who look closely soon have the key to this strange paradox. The AA member has to conform to the principles of recovery, work those 12 steps, live them in all elements of his life. His life actually depends upon obedience to spiritual principles. Now, I know, you know, a lot of us don't like it, but it's being sold on the idea that living the steps out in your life delivers a fantastic life and is well worth doing. If he deviates too far, the penalty is sure and swift. He sickens and dies spiritually, financially, relationally, and inevitably physically. At first, he goes along because he must. 
but later he discovers a way of life he really wants to live. Moreover, he finds he cannot keep this priceless gift unless he gives it away. The paradox. I can't keep it unless I give it away. That I get freedom from obedience. That humility gives me the ability, Dan likes to say, right? Neither he nor anybody else can survive unless he carries the AA message. And this is the purpose of the unity. The moment this 12-step work forms a group, another discovery is made that most individuals cannot recover unless there is a group. Huh, fellowship. Realization draws that he is but a small part of a great whole. Think about that. If you're a traveling person, AA all over the place, right? A great whole that no personal sacrifice, and this, no personal, meaning not any personal sacrifice, no personal sacrifice is too great for preservation of the fellowship. He learns that the clamor of desires and ambitions with him in must be silenced whenever these could damage the group. Hmm. It becomes plain that the group must survive or the individual will not because we require the group. So when we wrap our head around this real quick, what it's saying is, in a way, this is, you know, Dan Danisms. I'm on Team AA, right? I'm on Team AA. And when I go meet somebody in the community, when I get referred somebody by a church, when I run into somebody in my family or a friend or at work that's interested in AA because they, they're like, oh, I can't quit drinking, right? That I don't, I'm not just there, me as an individual unit trying to show off, you know, I'm going to flex my spiritual muscle, you know, it's not like that at all. It's knowing that I have a place to bring them, knowing that there is a group of people whose common welfare comes from me bringing them this person and this person whose welfare may well depend on that group, that obedience to these kind of things, that being humble enough to know that I personally can't save this person or really make them do anything. However, I do influence them. And that influence is a representation of the group, whether I like it or not. That's the anonymity part, right? I don't want to be AA, but I am in any case a representation of the group that I would like to bring that person into the fold of. And it's important to remember that. So at the outset, how best to live and work together as groups became the prime question. How best to live and work together as groups became the prime question. In the world about us, we saw personalities destroying whole peoples. And we call those guys politicians these days, right? The struggle for wealth, power, and prestige was tearing humanity apart as never before. And that doesn't seem to have let up. If strong people were stalemated in the search for peace and harmony, what was to become of our erratic band of alcoholics? I mean, how are we going to do it, right? All kinds of peacemakers in the world. They don't seem to be making a whole lot of headway. What is it that's going to help us? Hmm. As we had once struggled and prayed for individual recovery, just so earnestly did we commence to quest for the principles through which AA itself might survive. Those are these traditions. On anvils of experience, the structure of our society was hammered out countless times. In as many cities and hamlets, we reenacted the story of Eddie Rickenbacker and his courageous company when their plane crashed in the Pacific. Like us, they had suddenly found themselves saved from death. How fast we forget. How fast do I forget that? I, I get in my day, right? I, I'm just like anybody else on planet Earth today. 
I had the same responsibilities and ups and downs and trials, tribulations and victories and opportunities of life. How do I stay in touch with that? That, that I'm really wrecked in a vessel and that lurking right there, just waiting, just waiting, just waiting. Is that mistake, that first drink. And if I'm to take that first drink, how I find myself at risk of relational, spiritual, financial, and eventually physical death, just like that. Our common welfare comes first. That common welfare includes me and includes you. How do we hold each other accountable to these principles? Are you doing that? Are you holding people accountable to the principles in your meetings? Are you directing your meetings back to the literature when people like myself get off on tangents? How are we doing that? How are we focusing on the message of Alcoholics Anonymous and not so much the trials and tribulations, ups, downs, opportunities, and victories of life? They're all good, but our experience rests in this solution. Countless times in as many cities and hamlets, we've reenacted the story of Eddie Rickenbacker's plane, of his business plane, crashes in the Pacific Ocean, and somehow they survive, all but one guy. And think about it. Think about it. You know, they had to come together. And it goes on, it talks about that. Like us, they had suddenly found themselves saved from death, but still floating upon a perilous sea. The alcoholic in me is a perilous sea. How well they saw their common welfare came first. None might become selfish of water or bread. That we need each other to make it, so we all need to make sure we get a little of what we've got. Each needed consider, to consider the others. An abiding faith, in abiding faith, in a faith where they're coming, they, they probably all saw this faith differently. They may have all had different religious backgrounds or none at all, but an abiding faith. An abiding faith is I'm counting on you to do your thing, and I am promising you I'm going to do my thing. Think about that for a second. I'm counting on you to do your thing, and you're counting on me to do my thing. So when we think about it, abiding means an enduring faith. And when I can count on you, I can endure better. I can stay longer, right? Abiding faith, hmm. abiding trust, an abiding idea that the future is in hand, even though I don't know what it is. They knew they must find their real strength. What, what's my real strength? Well, it's you. It's my group. It's AA. It's the principles in the book. It's the steps. It's the experience gained by doing them. That's my real strength, right? Hmm. And this they did find in measure to transcend all the defects of their frail craft. Every test of uncertainty, pain, fear, and despair, and even the death of one of them. So think about this for a second. The principles, the spiritual principles are represented here in this analogy, this metaphor of Eddie Rickenbacker's plane crash as the thing that can overcome every test of uncertainty, pain, fear, and despair. Every test, not everyone except this one, every test. Thus has it been with AA, by faith and by works, by faith and by works. It matters what you do. It's great to have faith. It's worthless if you don't do the work. Bill talked about this as one in 12ers, right? We know we're alcoholic and we forget everything about step two through 11. And we mean to carry the message, but we have no authenticity, right? We don't actually do this work on a day in, day out basis. We're not really practicing these principles in all our affairs. 
We're just excited to be sober and want to tell other people about it. All fine and well, but the benefit comes. Even if you do that, the benefit is not delivered. The benefit comes when I purposefully apply the 12 steps in my life, all of them. And when you drop the numbers away from the steps and you, you begin to just live it, that space, that gap between consideration or not feeling like I want to feel gets shorter and shorter and shorter. And soon you intuitively solve problems that used to baffle you. Situations that used to baffle you, you just know what to do. Hmm. Thus, it has, thus has it been with AA by faith and by works. We have been able to build... So there's work, building upon, build upon the lessons of an incredible experience. Staying sober, spiritual experience. They live today in the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous, which, God willing, shall sustain us in unity for so long as he may need us. So think about that. Unity is so important. Are you unified with your family? Are you unifying with your work? Our big book and our 12 and 12 tell us, I am to work the 12 steps and work and practice and try and focus on and resolve problems so that I get along with just about everyone. And that when things are more difficult and certain people are particularly hard to deal with, that this is where I'm going to get my best spiritual growth. The use of these tools is for difficult problems. The use of these tools and our unified nature support one another, hold each other accountable to holding each other accountable to the mission that we are on, because it's not for me. The mission I'm on, the mission you are on, the mission of AA is for that alcoholic who still suffers. And we're going to get all through that. It's my opinion that that's one thing that you can weave right through every element of the 12 traditions. You can also connect them to the steps, and we'll do that another day. In any case, that's what it's all about. Our common welfare comes first. Am I doing the right thing for my group? I don't have anywhere to go with my newcomer if I don't have a group. If I don't have a group, am I forming a group? Because I can do that. I can go with the book and I can form a group and begin to build that resource. Our common welfare comes first. Personal recovery depends. Is absolutely required of for AA unity. So unity, that we come together, we're all wrecked. We can have our own beliefs. It's not uniformity. We can do our own meeting formats. It's not that they got to be a particular way. We can read the readings or not. We can give out chips or not give out chips. It doesn't, none of that matters. None of them are requirements. How do we carry the message and support one another in doing that? It, for me, that's the framework of when I encounter an alcoholic, my goal isn't to get them isolated over at a coffee shop somewhere. It's to get them to read the first 164, whatever portion that they're willing to read, and get them over to my group or a group, whatever group is local to them. That's the goal, where they can connect to the fellowship and begin to live these steps out immediately, sooner than that if possible, right? So here's the topic of discussion for today, if you like it. How are you working towards common welfare? And if you have grown in the steps, what is your thoughts about the common welfare of not just your fellowship or your group or your club or your meeting? What about in life? Have you worked towards the common welfare of your company? Or are you thinking that they don't do it the way I want them to do it? Are you looking at your family for what you can get out of them and not thinking in terms of how do you support their common welfare? Are you thinking about your friends as resources 
and not working towards their common welfare. Common welfare is another way to say pouring into the stream of life. It's another way to say, what am I adding to it? It's another way of saying serving others. How are you serving others? Common welfare. And another great topic, if you want to pull it out of this, is the unity topic, right? How am I acting as a part of a group and not an independent agent on his own mission? So I hope you have a great talk around those things today. And next, we'll pick up Tradition 2. I hope you read that one. That one's a lot of fun, too. Have a great discussion.